Hey Tara, today I have Tara on and we are talking about self-care, taking care of yourself, um, and not being afraid to do it. And I'm so happy to have welcome you here to, to have this discussion, so welcome. A safe space and thank you for having women. me. When I found here, out that you were launching this podcast, the and then you asked and me to come on, I was just so excited for it because I know, you know, obviously I haven't heard I am your host, any of the other episodes that you have here, but I know it's going to be good. So, I'm, really I'm excited to about it. Thank you. Yeah. I'm so excited um, to be talking to people like you who have these um, great communities and things that remind us to here we will have take care of ourselves and put ourselves. It almost I, I paused because I was about to say put ourselves first, but it seems still wrong sometimes to be like I'm gonna put myself first. So it's like hard to say it, especially like when you're a mom. Overcoming, right? But always it's hard. It's hard to really the wrap your mind have around a destination, but we are here the concept the of making yourself a priority. Um, I know it took me a long time, and I still struggle with that. Uh, with making my, even though this today, is like my entire my life's work right now is self care and teaching other women how to take better now care let's of themselves. Get into today's show. Um, but really, making yourself a priority. Hey, hey! On today's show, I have the honor of speaking with. Tara Pringle Jefferson. She is a writer, speaker, and self-care coach with a lifelong passion for creating community. She is the founder of the Self-Care Suite, which she created as a wellness community for Black women and other women of color to unlearn exhaustion as their default and develop self-care rituals to sustain themselves. Her work has been featured in Essence, Kiplinger's, Personal Finance, The Griot, Babel, BuzzFeed, the Happy Black Woman Podcast and Sirius XM Radio. Let's welcome Tara to the show. Um, I had been coming out of, I had two children roughly 20 months apart, which isn't too bad, um, but I was in my early 20s at the time. That's a and lot. So, yeah. so that was a lot for me. Um, I had my daughter in, when I was in college and then my son right after I graduated. And so that transition to womanhood was really rocky. And I had postpartum depression with my first and second child that went you know, undiagnosed, untreated. And it kind of just morphed into regular, regular, everyday depression, you know, as my kids got older and, you know, I was mm -hmm. out of that postpartum phase. And it wasn't until 2013, 2014, when I decided that I couldn't keep living this life that felt so heavy and joyless. And, you know, I wanted to enjoy my life. I was still, I believe I can do the math right, in my 20s <laughs> at the time. And I wanted <laughs> and I wanted to, you know, have a life that felt, you know, young and vibrant and happy. And instead I felt really, you know, sad and anxious all the time. And I felt like I had to be this super responsible woman and you know, my life was all about sacrifice for the children. I didn't want to let them down. And so I created the self-care suite right around the time that I got really heavy into my own self-care. I started going to therapy. I think I started out maybe twice a month. Um, I started going to the gym. I started doing all of these little things that got me to a much better place mentally. And it was 
life-changing and I wanted to share the gospel of self-care uh, with women in the community so that they too could have that transformation from wherever they were, whether that was depressed or just stressed and anxious, to a life that was more sustainable and more fulfilling and more joyful. And right. so through the self-care suite, we do, um, we have a private support group where I drop in, you know, daily prompts and discussion questions and other members come in and just share whatever is going on in their lives. Um, but then we also do workshops and, and community meetups um, before COVID. It was before COVID, in, per right. in person. <laughs> yes. Uh, now we switched to virtual for the time being. Um, but really, I think the backbone of our programming is our all of our programs, no matter what they are, they have this sister circle aspect where you know women get together in small groups and get to share the truth of their lives in a way that they probably can't do when they're at home or mm -hmm. maybe with their other group of girlfriends and you know they don't wanna be vulnerable with them, but they come to the self-care suite and into our programming and they're like, oh, like this other woman said that she you know, is struggling with the transition from two kids to four to two kids to three. And I just had my third kid and I'm struggling too. It really gives them an opportunity to share the truth of their lives um, and make and get that clarity so they can make changes uh, for the better. So self-care suite, it's growing. It's, it's, um, I, I love the work that I do. Um, I feel like my day job is, and I don't think I said this, but it's for black women <laughs> and other women of color. <laughs> and so I feel like my day job is just creating these safe, peaceful places uh, for black women. And I feel like that's a real privilege for me. So I love what I do. That is awesome. Um, you said a couple of things that have been actually the theme um, which was totally unintentional, but it makes sense when I think mm -hmm. about it. But um, of my interviews, two things mm -hmm. that you said, um, therapy mm -hmm. and being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And it's something about having a space, whether that's with a person or a group or, you know, some community or something that you find, but that it feels like it's safe. And yeah. I think um, being a member of the self-care suite, I, it is one of those spaces that if there is such a thing as a safe space online, it feels that way in there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you feel like you're talking to your girlfriends. I mean, there's conversations that's oh. like heavy conversations. And then there's yeah. conversations that are like the extra lightweight, funny, like let's talk about it. Um, I love what you have happening right now, which I am not participating in because <laughs> my life won't let me, but oh my gosh, I really, really, really want to the sleep, um, challenge that you mm -hmm. are doing. And those, when you think about sleep, like sleep is a necessity for life, right. but we as women, particularly as black women, like have to challenge ourselves yeah. to get adequate rest. Like how yeah. crazy is that? It's so crazy, but that's why I did it. <laughs> that's why I, I put that right. challenge together because we don't sleep enough. Um, and the way that lives are structured often, it doesn't always allow us for that kind of consistent rest. And so that's why as much as possible, I want to try to prompt women and remind women to be intentional about it because it is, I always say that that is like the cheat code to self-care. Like if you get however many hours of sleep a night that you need, whether that's eight or nine hours, 
everything in life is more manageable. <laughs> like literally it's so everything. Different. Like even yeah. for me, I had noticed um one of the things that I've been struggling with is weight gain. Mm -hmm. And a couple of weeks ago, and I already knew this, but it's just one of them things again, you don't think about sleep like that because you just right. get it where you can. And right. I was telling my husband, I was like, you know what? I have consistently not been getting sleep like I used to. And before I used to be one of those people, eight or nine hours every night, like nine, 10 o'clock time, I had my routine and I was getting ready for bed. Right. And now I'm doing good if I get to sleep, like a good night is 11, but most mm -hmm. times I'm not getting to bed until one yeah. um, or getting to sleep at least until one. But I, I drew the connection, like that's why I'm not, that's why I'm gaining weight and I can't lose weight either. No matter all of the things that I'm doing, I'm not allowing my body the time to rest and restore itself. Right. And right. so that's impacting my weight, which is something that we just don't think about, like how it impacts everything. So you said like you hit the nail on the head. You said that's the cheat code to life is sleep. <laughs> right. um, but it's like you also like I don't have time, especially when you have young children. Um, I myself, I, I went through postpartum depression with my second child. And I didn't even know I had it until sitting back and looking back at it. And so right. you said right. undiagnosed postpartum. Can you say that's kind of the same thing that's happened? What happened to you? Mm -hmm. Where you yeah. like look back at it? I, yeah. And I think again, like nobody, I was 22 when I had my son and nobody was really talking to me about postpartum depression, even though younger mothers, teen mothers and mothers in their early twenties are in that group that are more likely to have postpartum depression. And nobody was talking about it or I wasn't, it wasn't in the, the parenting magazines that I was reading. Um, I don't mm -hmm. believe that anybody really asked me about it during, you know, checkups. Um, my kid's pediatrician, you know, when I took the kids in for like their first or second uh, appointment, like nobody really checked in in that way. And uh, so I think a lot of us probably had, you know, some inkling of, of postpartum depression. And, and when you think about it, it's like, that's a huge transition. Um, of course, there's going to be- Especially some, at that age. Yeah, there's going to be some hormonal mm -hmm. fluctuation and, and a lot of emotional things going on inside of you. So it's always good to really tap in during that point, during that like fourth trimester, that first year postpartum. Mm -hmm. Um, because again, you and I like didn't even, um, I, I knew something was off. My husband knew something was off, but I was one of those people who was determined to just be like, no, I'm good. Like, don't mm -hmm. put anything on me that will, you know, kind of label how I am with my children or label the type of mother that I am. No, I'm good. And it wasn't until maybe the kids were, you know, four and five. And I was like, hmm, I'd see like depictions of postpartum on TV or something like that. And I'd go, hmm that feels really familiar. And it, yeah, I wasn't even aware until I was looking back at it through the rearview mirror. No. And that's, I think for me, because you said you were 22, I was 21 when I had um, my first, my, my daughter and I didn't have postpartum depression with her, but I did have something you were saying how like it wasn't something that was being talked about and whatever else. But um, I know for me, myself at 21, I was like one of the only ones in my friend group that was mm -hmm. having a baby at that point. So you yeah. didn't even have the experience of like your close friends or whatever to be like, I feel a little bit off because my friends were all graduating from college and I was having a baby. And so they were thinking about jobs yeah. and um, going to grad school and their vacations yeah. and 
I was thinking about diapers and doctor's yep. appointments and car mm-hmm. seats, you mm-hmm. know. And so um, it really wasn't an opportunity to have community in that way as a young mom. Um, but then when when I had my son and what did it for me with him, I think is the sleeplessness because he didn't yeah. sleep. And I, I was yeah. a sleeper until he was born. Yeah. And I just remember just crying a lot and not feeling, but like you said, trying to be okay, because that's what we're kind of conditioned to do. Like you just suck it up and you keep Mm -hmm. going because what's the alternative? Yeah. And um, now, even now that I'm older and just since time has progressed, it seems like there's more of a focus on resources for those types of things that weren't there back when, when we were having kids. We sound old saying that when we was having kids. <laughs> My kids are getting up there. Like I'm, I'm looking at it now and I'm like, man, I didn't even have, I don't even know if Pinterest was around and like, Mm-mm, you know, all of these other things, like Facebook was new. I'm like, wow, I, I really do. <laughs> And like it was that. exclusive still to college students, mm-hmm. I think, at that point. Yeah, so, like, yeah. you really just didn't daughter. have community mm-hmm. now, like how yeah. you can have now. Like, you can go find a Facebook group for new moms or yeah. blogs and all that stuff. And it's just not there. And um, it wasn't there back, wasn't. back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you talked about self-care and why you do the work that you do. Um, one of the things that always stands out about you to me is you tend to think of very non-traditional ways of implementing self-care. For instance, you had mentioned taking like your email off Mm -hmm. of your cell phone as a form of self-care. And I remember I was standing in the grocery store on my phone (laughs) (laughs) when I saw that post. And literally, I was like, my mind is blown. Like, that is a form of self-care that I would have never thought about. Can you talk about, like, what Mm -hmm. led you to that that point? And what are some other non-traditional things you're doing in in the name of self-care? Yeah, so I have been working for myself um, even before the self-care suite. I've been um, a digital media strategist for 11 years now, which is crazy to me. Um, But but I've been working for myself, working from home uh, for 11 years now. And so I, you know, when I first started, it was like, okay, I could work from anywhere. You know, I had my iPhone, I got my my email on the go. And your laptop, yeah. I can go to Starbucks, (laughs) I can write, it's good. and I did that for a really long time. I'm writing, you know, in the parking lot before I run into the grocery store. I'm checking email while I'm in line at Trader Joe's. Like I was always on and I've gotten really better maybe in the last two or three years about, you know, boundaries around work, um, particularly since I have that privilege of like making my own schedule and I don't have another boss that I'm disappointing <laughs> with, you know, mm-hmm. with my boundaries. Um, and so I wanted to try as best I could to lead by example. And I don't even remember, like it wasn't even a really big um, decision for me to take the email off my phone. I just woke up and I was like, I think I'm going to do it today. Just take it off, delete. You know, I have, I had, I think, three emails on my phone. And because I get so many emails, um, one of them is my like regular, regular Gmail account, which, and I had like maybe, 
I don't know, 60,000 little emails on the notification thing. On like that. the unread. Mm -hmm. yeah. Unread emails, yeah. And it's mostly like sales, you know, emails and, and yeah. and Target and all that stuff. Um, but I just decided that I didn't want to be so reachable. Um, I wanted to have firmer boundaries around how I receive emails, when I'm responding to emails, because some people are addicted to like social media. I feel like I was addicted to email because I love that rush of like mm. emails about, you know, potential collaborations or somebody responding to a newsletter that I wrote or, you know, I had asked somebody for a favor and I'm waiting for them to get back to me. Like I really felt like I was always anticipating somebody else's move and I mm -hmm. wanted to bring that back and really take ownership not just of my email inbox but where I am now in my career like it's not gonna break me to take two hours to see that email or it's not gonna it's not like if I take two hours to to respond to an email it's a missed opportunity or it's something. a missed opportunity somebody's mm -hmm. gonna be like oh never mind because you didn't answer immediately right um, I had to get out of that kind of mindset of always like immediately responding to emails and so um I took the email off my phone. I instituted a new 24 hour rule for emails. So I may see it, but then I don't necessarily respond right away. If it's something that's real quick, like, hey, you're gonna meet me here or there, mm -hmm. I'll do it. But if it's something a little bit more, that I need to be a little bit more thoughtful about, like I will say, okay, I read it. And then I'll come back to it a day later once I've had time to marinate. Cause I found one thing that I've done in the past is I've, said, yes, I've jumped at things too quickly. And then I realized later that, oh, this mm. is this is too much work or this is not aligning with how much time I have available. And then I'm I'm mad at myself. Um, and anxious or and overwhelmed. Anxious. Mm -hmm. yeah, and so that, that taking the email off my phone, that was just one way for me to say, okay, how do I guard my time better? And how do I, you know, actually create structures that help me do that? Um, so I think that email component was huge for me. And I think it's only been like a couple months maybe now. Mm -hmm. um, but um, it it has helped so much because now if I need to check my email, like I'm at home, I'm on the computer. And, right. and it's your designated time for that. Right. right. Yeah. That's where work should occur, not in the line at Trader Joe's. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah, I always say like the technology is a gift and a curse because, you mm -hmm. know, we our phones, they just keep improving and giving you access to better. more and more and more. Yeah. And it, you have access. But then the more that you give access to yourself, the less that you have time with yourself. Yeah. Like, I swear, I sit back and, and think about a time like when we were younger, when first of all, there was no cell phones. Mm -hmm. somebody got you either when you were at home or they waited until they left a message. If you was fancy and had an answer machine. Right. Right. <laughs> and they had to wait like all of this immediate access, I think is part of the reason that we get so overwhelmed. And I think it also causes us to detach from each other because we're so busy trying to see what else is happening or what we feel like we're missing or whatever. And so, um, I, I need to implement that email thing, at least on a couple of my email accounts, because you said you had three. I have mm -hmm. 
Girl, I can't even tell you. I think I have about six emails right now yeah. um, that I manage on my phone and get aggravated when I have to get to them on the computer. But I need to mm -hmm. kind of flip that on its head. One thing that I know I have done is I have on my computer, I turned my computer is always on do not disturb mode now. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so instead of those little pop ups coming up to tell me that somebody responded to my thing on Facebook or to let me know I got a new email or whatever else, because I noticed that I would like be in the middle of something. And then whenever I see a message, I just have to click it and see, like, what's the mm -hmm. thing? And even doing that for me, I know has been helpful. So I can only imagine what yeah. that does with yeah. like taking the email off of your phone. I probably need to take a lot of stuff off of my phone in the name of self-care, honestly, because now I posted this on Facebook the other day. I love the idea of all of the smart home stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And I've gradually been um, implementing that. But I swear I'm sitting here and it's like my watch and my phone vibrate because, you know, technology, you should have all your notifications in both places. So my my the washing machine stops and it vibrates and then the dryer stops and it vibrates. And then if my kids open the door and go outside, it vibrates. And when they come back in and then the other day we added the garage door opener. And so now not only they walk out the garage door, but then once they get out the door and open the garage so now that's two additional vibrations i'm like oh my gosh i'm about to lose it yeah. so i am about to like really on my notifications too because literally i could sit here and be talking to somebody and i just keep going like this checking my watch because it just keeps going oh. off and again i feel like that's anxiety inducing because mm -hmm. you know you're like what's happening or what do i need to do or what do i like, if I'm away from my house and the door open, then at least we ain't there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I need to just be okay with that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, let's talk about, like, self-care and self-neglect. Because I think a lot of us, um, I know myself, I'm guilty of you know, we kind of tend to put ourselves last because we have to take care of everyone else. And self-care ends up feeling like this whole guilty thing because it feels selfish. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the things that you talk about or that you encourage us about in the self-care suite is that this is not selfish. Like this is actually how you take better care of everyone else too. Can you yeah. kind of talk to that a little bit? Yeah. So I think one of the one of the things that I really noticed early on in my self-care journey was that I was having such a hard time prioritizing myself. And this might steer the conversation in a whole other direction, but I was having, <laughs> I was having a really hard time prioritizing myself in a way that my husband just never did. Like my husband never um, faltered <laughs> when we had kids. Like he had his... <laughs> weekly Saturday um, Saturday morning ba uh, basketball game that he has pre-pandemic, he went to for like 12 years straight. Um, mm -hmm. When we had two little kids at home in diapers, I'd be like, you can't go. Like, 
<laughs> um, I'm exhausted. You can't go. He'll be like, it's okay. I'll bring you back lunch. And I'm like, that's not what I said. Like, like, that's, that's not what I, I just said to you. That's, that's not what I just said. I didn't say I was hungry. I said, you can't go. <laughs> and that literally was like his only thing that he did for himself that whole week. And so he was determined to go, whether I had a problem with it or not, he made that time for himself. And so after, I mean, it took me years, like I'd be seething every Saturday, like you see these kids in diapers, like, you know, okay. And so I'm, I'm like seething about it. And it took me way too long to come to this realization. But one morning, one Saturday morning, he used to leave around nine. So one morning I got up and left around 8.30. Just, I said, okay, I'm going to go. And <laughs> so I said, I'll be back. And he was like, well, what, what you doing? Wait a minute. I, said, oh, I said, oh, I have this thing that I have to do. You know, I'll be, I don't remember what it was, but I had scheduled something. And I was like, I have mm-hmm. to go because I have to meet her at nine. And so he, um, what my husband did, I think he stayed home that day. Um, but after I came home, he was like, okay. Like he's like, let's figure out a better, you know, Saturday morning distribution, you know, yes, for everybody. Instead of Um, the passive aggressive, I'm going to schedule this when you normally leave thing. Right, right. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, so we we had that conversation and we sat down and we tried to figure out, you know, how do we switch off on Saturdays or, or, you know, what could we do? Um, But in looking at how dedicated he was to his self-care and looking at how he was like, okay, this is the thing that I have for myself. He's not just going, you know, by himself. It's like a group of them that meet up, um, that he looks forward to that fellowship. And it was like a Bible study. They had like um, Bible study at halftime. Like it was like, it was like okay, how, how mad can I be? It's at a church. Like, you know, I just, <laughs> I right. felt like really bad for like hating it so much. Um, but it, it really inspired me and it made me think about the way that women are socialized to feel that guilt in a way that men aren't. Um, and once I recognized that, you know, kind of because I was the mom, I was kind of, um, I was socialized to think that, you know, my babies needed me or like I needed to have a hundred percent of my focus on them. And, um, if the kids were crying when I was trying to leave the house, uh, when they were younger, like sometimes like I wouldn't go, I'd be like, you know, I'd cuddle with them. Or or you just take them with you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my husband would be like, all right, I'll be back. You know, like it's okay. (laughs) And he conditioned them to accept his me time, um, in a way that, I resented, but I also really admired. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for a lot of women, you know, when we're talking about whether self-care is selfish, I think that that's the wrong framing um, instead of worrying about, is it selfish? Like, is it helpful? Is it something that's nourishing for you? Is it something that um, will help you get to where you want to be? Um, mm-hmm. So with self-care, I always say, that self-care is really, it's a really simple premise. It's, you know, asking yourself what you need and then making sure that you get it, whatever that it will be. Right. It's different for every single person. Um, and so what I think happens is that we get so stuck in these roles and these expectations that these roles put on us 
And then we don't even have either the brain space or the wherewithal to really pause and be like, okay, but what actually do I need? I know what they say, you know, moms should do. I know what they say good daughters do or, or good wives do or good employees do, but what is the truth for me? And what is it that I actually need? Right. Um, you know, like going back to the email thing, they say like, if you're, you know, working for yourself, you should be a really hard worker. You should always be, you know, reachable and ready to jump on any opportunity that comes in your lap. So that's how I operated for many years. And then I realized I was feeling really burnt out and tired and, you know, didn't want to be so reachable all the time. I could rest in some of the success that I had already reached. So the email had to go. Um, right. And so it's just really about taking that time, I think, to pause and consider what's actually true for you versus what you've been telling yourself. Or what everyone else around you is telling you that mm -hmm. you should be doing. Because mm -hmm. I think that's where a lot of the noise comes from, too. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like, for instance, when social media became um, more of a thing and people started posting, you know, all of their vacations and all of their weekend activities and whatever right. else. I feel like that's when life, at least to me, started feeling like it got almost suffocating because you mm. were like, I, I say you, I started feeling every open space on my calendar. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay, I'll do this at this time. The kids will have this activity. The kids, you know, family time will be this time and blah, 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 because that's what it looked like everybody was doing. And so it's like, mm. well, what's wrong with me? I'm not doing that. Yeah. And I too have been in a space of just like redefining what works for me and what works for us and not basing it off of anything else except for what I know is true here in mm -hmm. this house. Right. And that can be like, it's a, a gradual learning that we do with the process of like putting ourselves in these boxes of the <clears throat> roles that we have, but mm -hmm. then also looking at social media and what everybody else is doing. And we don't even realize that we're being conditioned. And then we have to go through this unconditioning or unlearning process to remember to taste of the, I think that's where we're at now. At least this pandemic for me has just been like, okay, back to the basics, back to yeah. the simplicity. And I'm even a little anxious at the thought of the world opening back up yeah. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I kind of really liked this quiet time. I liked the be still of it. You know, the, it was no guilt in the fact that we had to cancel swim lessons and that we don't travel for volleyball every weekend because yeah. this is just what is, this is the rule. We're following the rules. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm kind of nervous about have we learned anything from this or are we just going to pick back up and start driving ourselves crazy again? What do you think is going to happen now that we're coming up on people getting vaccinated and the world reopening and all of that? Yeah, I was just telling my husband that I got my first shot vaccination um, about a week and a half ago. And I made the mistake of telling a few folks that I had, <laughs> I had gotten it. <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, why did I do that? Like, I don't want people to know that I have, <laughs> that I'm vaccinated. Right. Like, don't invite me. <laughs> yeah, don't invite I, I was like, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> um, but I, I really, I feel like, you know, there's some segment of the population that never slowed down um, during this whole pandemic. This is true. Um, some, some of them, you know, were essential workers and they're going to work every day. And, you know, I know um, my 
uh, mother who's a nurse um, and she was, you know, at her clinic, they were doing COVID testing and um, she, they're doing vaccinations now and all of that. Um, and she's been fortunate enough to have not, you know, contracted anything throughout this whole pandemic. And she's almost fully vaccinated. Um, I think in That's two great. weeks she will be. But um, but I know like a, a lot of essential workers, you know, they've been kind of feeling like they are living their lives mm-hmm. um, because they have to, you know, risk it to go to work every day. Um, but then there's other people who just could have slowed down. But and didn't, just didn't. And just mm-hmm. didn't because I think that it is such a, I think one of the things, and it's partly social media for sure, um, this notion of like, you know, grind culture and hustle culture. And it's almost like a daily competition for like who is handling their business the best, you know, it's, it's and the most and the busiest and, and the, and all the loudest. And the loudest, mm-hmm. and and you know, there's something about, as you said, this slowdown that some of us experienced during quarantine, that um, or during the pandemic, because some people <laughs> did not quarantine, <laughs> did not quarantine, <laughs> did not. <laughs> but um, you know, there's something about this slower pace that I really liked, and I really enjoyed. Um, you know, as much as virtual school, you know, mm, drove me crazy and it is driving me crazy because my kids aren't done. Um, <laughs> I think my daughter said they got like 40 more days and I was like, OK, we can do it. Um, but um, as crazy as it is, like I enjoyed not having to get my daughter up at 6 a.m. to catch the bus at like 640. Like that's crazy. Right. The sun's not up. Like it's pitch black right. outside. It's super cold. Um, and so I did like that slowdown. Um, and I think that we'll kind of see that divide moving forward. So like the people who really enjoy, you know, the, the slower pace of things, I think that they will figure out ways to, mm-hmm, to have some boundaries and, and develop some practices that, um, will hopefully be long lasting. And I think the other people who, you know, they will keep going about their lives. And I think though, that some of the people who didn't slow down during the pandemic, I think it's going to hit them a little bit later. Um, I, I know earlier this year, people talked about hitting the pandemic wall. And mm-hmm. I think some people who maybe haven't hit it yet might hit it a little bit later this year once the world you know, really opens back up and people are... Um, people are traveling and, you know, going back to work full time in the office. I think it might catch up with us because I don't think humans were meant to have like this much um, stimulation in one time. We weren't, we weren't meant to have this much stimulation to have the opinions of this many people uh, Mm -hmm. in our face all the time. I always, people always talk about how like being famous is not something that humans are supposed to be like you're not supposed to be recognizable right. to millions and millions of people on the planet, um, and so in a way, social media elevates us all to like some type of semi-famous you right. know, status, um, where so many people know us. People are retweeting our thoughts, and pe- more people are following. Um, I would really love to have some type of you know slower-paced society, some type of movement toward a, a slower way of living moving forward. And I think that's why it's important for you know people like you who have these podcasts to really have these conversations so that people don't forget and we don't slide right back 
into overwhelm like we were at the top of 2020. Or think that it's abnormal, like that it is an, another group of people out there who think like you, who are like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't I don't need all of that. Um, yeah. You talk about like even with celebrities, like the, the social media, how it can make it just opens the world up in a way that it just was not open before. Right. Yeah. But then, too, it also. I remember, again, I just feel so old when I be talking about these things, but I remember being a kid and famous people, they were famous and you knew them and saw them on TV, but you didn't right. know all of the intimate details of the personal lives. You didn't know the names of their kids and recognize their kids. You right. didn't know like what where they lived. Like you might have knew where they were from, but you right. didn't know where they lived. Um all of these different aspects of life or like even with teachers, I remember telling my daughter because, and this was when she was like in junior high school, she was, uh, she came home and was telling me something about her teacher's personal life. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, that's so foreign to me because when yeah. we were kids, like our, we didn't even look at our teachers as people as outside people. of being a teacher. Mm -hmm. Like you were Miss or Mr. So-and-so and that was and it. That, I didn't think about it. you having kids. I didn't think about you having a family. I didn't think about you even having a dog. Like mm -hmm. I thought about you in front of the chalkboard teaching me math and, and that's, that's it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And these kids nowadays, like they have access to so much more, not even just kids, people. We have access to so much more, but then also like they're conditioned um, to think this is normal. Like, let me give you an example. This might blow your mind and maybe it won't, but it's still blowing my mind. So my daughter is 17. She'll be 18 in two months. And, you know, again, when we were younger, we didn't even have cell phones, let alone FaceTime, right? right. Like you saw your friends in person out on the porch or not at all. Well, FaceTime, her and her boyfriend, like, literally are on FaceTime all day. Wow. I went in her room the other day. She was asleep. Her phone was propped up. He was on FaceTime playing video games. I was just like, seriously, this is what we're doing? And I'm trying to explain it to her. She's like, Mom, this is just what we do and blah, blah, blah. And I... Okay, I understand that times are different. And she even said mm -hmm. that, like, well, you guys didn't have FaceTime when you were younger, so you wouldn't understand. But yeah. what I want her to understand is it's not even just, I don't know, that's crazy. When you sleep, take your butt to sleep. Don't nobody need to be on the phone. But the other part of it is the establishment of boundaries. Yeah. And if you don't learn the practice of establishing boundaries, I just feel like the older you get, the harder it is to incorporate that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, that's something that we, I think we kind of knew boundaries because growing up for us was a little bit it different. Was, um, yeah. Yeah. And then stuff kind of started to shift with everything just being wide open. And now we're coming back to it like, wait a minute, I think I liked when there were some boundaries in mm -hmm. place and I kind of operate better. But these kids nowadays are growing up without With any no, boundaries yeah and yeah. it is scary to me because i know you know we talk about going to therapy and you know things like that and all of that is great but i just feel like more of them are gonna even need it because 
you need time to sit with yourself. You need time to be alone. You need time to form your own thoughts and be your own person. And I just think about self-care in terms of like their generation. What is that going to look like? Because let's let's be real. A manicure and a pedicure is not self-care. That's maintenance. <laughs> That's called maintenance to me. You know, going to get your hair done. Yes, you are so cute afterwards. But again, that's you got to schedule. You got to sit there. You probably don't even like sitting under the dryer. All of so these different things. It's always right. So <laughs> I hate the dryer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, so those things are not self care, and this generation doesn't understand that. Like time alone can really count as self care. Like my, we were just talking about this on social media. My office is my favorite place now. I have my little chair here. I turn on my little diffuser and light an incense. I have a TV in case I want to be, you know, watch a show by myself. And they understand that when I come in here, like I've even conditioned my family, don't just because I have glass doors, walk up to the door and walk in, yeah. knock at the door and then wait for me to say, come in. So all of them have that down now again, but that's a boundary that I had to establish with them. I just feel like the, the kids nowadays don't really have the understanding of boundaries and self-care can kind of become obsolete for our younger girls. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's kind of a scary thought. Yeah. I think <clears throat> one, one thing that I will say, I feel like the younger generation has that we didn't have. Um, Cause I definitely think that they lack boundaries. Like they don't, everything is for public consumption. Um, mm -hmm. I, I feel like that I've, I've seen with them. Um, but I think one thing that they do have, I went to, I did a presentation maybe mid 2019 or so uh, at a local college and it was a bunch of college freshmen there and I was talking about self-care and everything. And I was really blown away by their grasp of like mental health and, you know, their ability to say, you know, I'm feeling anxious. Let me do some of my breathing exercises. <laughs> or mm -hmm. they, I do think that they are um, in good in good hands, you know, when it comes to the mental health aspect of um, being able to have conversations about depression and anxiety and, you know, some of these other things that I think I wasn't having at 20. Um, mm -hmm. I wasn't having at 19. Um, but I do think that there is something to there is something to the fact that you want to keep something for yourself um, and yeah. other other yeah. people, you know, younger generations now, they are so conditioned to um, publicize, you know, their every move. And so Everything. whereas you and I remember what it was like to just, you know, get up, get in the car, go to the movies with your friend and then talk about it and then just go home. Mm -hmm. But now, you, gotta, you know, you got Snapchat, you, you, you snap it on the way there, you know, you're <laughs> taking your picture, you know, right as you get in and then you give it your little review when you get out. And, right. and it's just, um, it's just, a it's an extremely, open, um, outward facing way to live. And I think that we need to have more conversations with our young people about, and again, 
I don't know, again, like your daughter said about not having FaceTime when you were younger, like I don't know how much I would have been online um, had I right. had FaceTime and all. Like I probably would have been on Snapchat and all of those things too, because they do seem geared toward like that teenage mindset mm -hmm. of like everything. And you got the and, time for it. Yeah. And you have the time for it. Um, so I don't know, um, but you know, being able to set um, or have conversations about boundaries and have conversations about, you know, how you feel. How do you feel after you scrolled on Instagram for an hour? Do you, do you feel better? Do you feel like you need to change something about yourself? I know sometimes I'll scroll, I'm in the midst of, of getting my little leisure lounge together. And um, I'll scroll sometimes on a lot of these uh, home decor, you know, pages up. And then I'll get off Instagram and be like, oh, I hate my house. <laughs> like, it's just, right. uh, everything right. here is dingy. I need to just blow it up and start over. Start over. Why is nothing clean and modern? Like everything, right. you know? Um, and so even I feel like that sometimes. And I typically just follow, you know, uh, comedians and home decor and a lot of chefs and stuff like that. Um, but if you're a younger girl and you're following, you know, all these other people and you're maybe comparing Models yourself to them, all of that yeah, stuff, and, yeah. and, you know, what they're able to achieve and they're young and you're young and how come your life doesn't look like their life? I mean, I think that's really hard to navigate when you you know, our brains aren't even fully developed until 25. And so I think if you're 19, 20, you know, in, in um, indulging in this constantly, because people, you know, spend hours um, online mm -hmm. each day, that you may not have such a clear sense of self. Um, and like you said, having that bombardment of other people's opinions day after day after day, it does, I feel, make it harder for you to be able to, um, come up with your own thoughts and how do you feel about something um, mm -hmm. regardless of what everybody else has to say about it. Yeah. It just feels like it opens a window for an increase in depression. Um, mm -hmm. Like you say, you'll be on social media and you're scrolling and looking at all these pretty houses and whatever else. And then you're like, Oh, my kitchen, you know what I mean? <laughs> that, that was it for me, but especially before we move, like, I love the kitchen. It can drive you insane. It can drive you crazy. And I know me personally, like I'll go through these phases where I just don't even want to be online because not only do I suffer from it up here in the mental aspect of like looking at my life and the comparison thing, but I feel it physically. So mm -hmm. like in my neck and in my shoulders, I start getting really tight because looking down at your phone like this, right. like again, that's something the human body was not designed to mm -hmm. do. <laughs> no. When we were being made, it didn't program you for, you know, looking down that at a device all day or sitting at a computer typing all day. So you get this hunch in your shoulder thing mm -hmm. happening. So yeah, those types of things are... Um, I don't know the things that I think about in terms of the next generation, but I want to circle back to what you were talking about, the intentionality in your, that your husband had with self-care and how we as women typically look at it as selfish or whatever. And um, you realizing that you needed to make a shift because that's kind of what's been happening for me here recently. My biggest thing that I've been doing for myself is um, my weekly bath time. Mm -hmm. And before it was just like, okay, I'm every week I'm going to have an hour where I go take a bath yep. and 
that's my unbothered time. Well, that has morphed into two-hour baths. <laughs> because that time, you realize how many hours this week you did not have to yourself. And then once you're there, yeah. you could just easily sit in a tub of water and in your own environment with your music playing and a good mm. book and <laughs> whatever. Mm. And I've went as far as putting it on the family calendar. Yeah. So everyone knows that Sunday night at nine o'clock, that is where mommy will be. And you dare not knock at any door near me. Like the other day I waited because my daughter waited till she got off work to do her chores, which is um, one of which is cleaning her bathroom and her bathroom is right next to mine. And when she's cleaning the shower and stuff, it's so loud. And so when she walked in the door, I was like, hey, how's work? cool. Okay. Can you go clean your bathroom? Because I'm about to take my bath. And she was like, well, dad, I was like, well, I don't want my time interrupted. Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking about the boundaries of what my time looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's essential. Yeah. I think that's essential. Like not only should you schedule that time for yourself and put people on notice about it, but then also think about like not compromise on it because I could have just been like, well, once she started cleaning the bathroom, I turned my music up. But no, that interrupts my whole vibe and my feng yeah. shui I got happening in the bathroom. Right, right. right. <laughs> so yeah. No. I don't know if you answered when I asked about um if you had any other non-traditional things outside of like the email. I think that would be kind of a good thing to bring it to a close with. Do you have anything? In, or things that you can share when somebody's like, I just don't even know where to start with self-care. I don't even know what to do um, outside of, you know, going to get my nails done or going to get a massage or whatever else. What are some of those things that we aren't thinking about that can be considered self-care? Yeah, I think <clears throat> one of the main reasons why... <clears throat> I go so hard for self-care is because, well, one, it can literally be anything that you need. Um, But two, once you start this journey, you discover like how much better life can be. Um, And so for me, I don't know. I was thinking about that earlier. Do I have any like really untraditional things that I do? I feel like a lot of my things um, are pretty traditional like I have my you know my plants and and like literally every room of the house um and I named like my plant my friend told me my plants are like my living breathing like vision board um because I named each of my plants um, I stole that so, from you yeah some quality that I want to um I want to you know become um so I have like queen over here I got serenity over there I got grace I have and, a serenity and yes. I have all of these, um, and then I have some that are just like happy. So I have one um, named Rhythm because I'm like I need to learn how to dance. <laughs> you know? know. So you ain't on TikTok, I tell yeah, you. I'm, I'm, I'm not on TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. <laughs> me me neither. The TikTok. <laughs> um, right. Any of that. Um, but uh, one of the the um, biggest things for me, I think, is my is my bedtime routine. Um, because I have gone for, I used to get really horrible sleep. I mean, like if it wasn't, um, and I would try to go to bed on time, um, but just the quality of my sleep was horrible. So I would Mm -hmm. have 
<clears throat> and I realize now like this is my when my anxiety was really bad, I would have like these anxiety nightmares and they would be like these really splashy, loud, <laughs> like action adventure dreams that just would have me, I would wake up and I would be even more tired. Um, so I used to have really horrible sleep quality. Um, and it wasn't until maybe um, a couple weeks of really being intentional about my bedtime routine, um, which is, you know, having my bedtime alarm go off at 930. And when that thing goes off, like usually I'm already on my way. Like it's usually as I'm going up, I'm up the stairs, the alarm goes, I'm like, I already know. Like I already, I'm on top of it. I'm, I'm, I'm trained. Um, but, um, but I'll go upstairs. Um, I started and I thought I had it up here, but I don't, um, that's got my little hook, but I started crocheting and like, I'll do, you know, a couple rows of a blanket or something just to kind of like help me wind down. Um, I'll go in there, I'll take my shower. I have my favorite, um, candles lit. I do my little, um, showering in the dark by candlelight. Um, mm -hmm. that's what I do when I don't have time for a bath and I want to like have a little extra something. Um, right. so I'll, I'll, I'll shower in candlelight. And so many people are like, I'm afraid to do that. And I was like, well, like I know where things are in my bathroom <laughs> and like, I can still see it's just right. not as bright that like, you can see if you want to do, you know, maybe more than one candle, feel free. Um, but it's the not higher in me. Also, something you can do is install, like you can switch out your light switch with a mm -hmm. dimmer. Yeah. And that way, because I used to do that in my old houses, I used to dim the light so that yeah. it had that kind of candlelight effect. Yeah, because, you know, you think about that light in your bathroom, usually it's super bright. And it's like, so bright. It, it doesn't help you kind of get into that like, you know, Wind down mindset at all. No. Mm -hmm. Um and so, you know, I have that shower. Um, I've also started, you know, a lot of people listen to like the Calm app or um, some of these other sleep stories, but I like to turn on YouTube and I will turn on either the fireplace, um, which I love that because it's just like literally a crackling fireplace. Um, I think it's like 11 hours or something. Um, oh, wow. And uh, once you turn off all the lights, like it's just, it's like a fireplace is in your bedroom. Um, either that or like an ocean sound um, video again, mm -hmm. like 11th an hour one. Um, and I have all of these, like it's, it's elaborate. I have like herbal drops <laughs> to help me go to sleep. Yes. I weighted blanket. I got my weighted eye mask. Um, but if I need, like, if I really, really want to make sure I get good sleep, I have all of those out. Um, but usually just the, the fireplace is good enough to knock me out. Um, but I really think that ever since I have um, prioritized my bedtime in this way, it has just changed everything about my energy levels, about the way that I interact with the other people in my family. I'm not so cranky. Mm -hmm. so Grumpy. I can, you know, come up with, um, you know, better um solutions the problems in my business it it has just really been a game changer um and usually when i have these interviews and people ask me about self-care tips like i usually say to people to have something in the a.m and the p.m um so having that morning routine and bedtime routine together like that helps you know whatever happens in between those um 
the the AM routine is really to kind of like rev you up, start your day with intentionality. But then the PM routine is about shedding whatever happened that day at the um, end of the day and not carrying it over day. into the yeah. next day. Right. Yeah, and it really helps give your days a definitive start and end point um, because I know for me things used to linger with me for days and days and days, if not mm-hmm. longer. Like if I had a bad day. Oh, I was. If it, was, it could turn into a bad day, week. A bad week like that, super yep. bad. Um, but ever since I started having, okay, like today is a new day, um, and I'll have my uh, notebook and like quickly turn the page. Today is a new day. Let me write, you know, what I want to do today. Um, one other thing, and I don't think it's really, um, it's actually part of my AM routine, um, but it's my comfort list. I don't know if you've seen my comfort list on Instagram, mm-hmm. or not on Instagram, on um, in Twitter. In the self suite. Haven't you posted yeah. that in the group too, though? I posted okay. it in the group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so every day uh, in the morning, I will write down um, at least three things that I want to do for myself that day. Um, so I think my last one was I watched the latest episode of This Is Us. Um, I've been making oh. these bootleg uh, Starbucks drinks. <laughs> and so <laughs> I've been drinking those. I was like, I'm going to drink one of those. And um, have I had a call. And this was yesterday, too. Um, I had a call with one of my good friends. And so those were the three things that I was going to do yesterday to kind of like fill myself up, give me something to look forward to. That's not just make dinner and and respond to this email and, you know, draft this. But it's really like, you know, I'm walking around all day with my favorite. I make these mango dragon fruit um, drinks and Mm -hmm. they're so good and they're cheaper than Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) Cheaper is good. (laughs) Cheaper than Starbucks so I can drink more of them. Um, And it just, those are just the things that make me happy. And I think that, you know, having that intentionality in your life, I mean, it changes everything for the better because you're now more aware of your own agency and you're more aware of, you know, what actions you can take um, Mm -hmm. to improve your life because you don't have to wait on anybody else to to do that for you. Yeah. It reminds you of like how much control um, you actually have. Because sometimes I think it can get overwhelming to feel like you're out of control. Like right. there's nothing I can do about it. But right. um, the biggest shift for me was like realizing that I am what I have control over. Mm-hmm. And so I can control my actions. I can control my thoughts. I can control my responses. All of those things, I do still have control and they shift the things that are happening around me. Right. And so um, one other thing that I got from you and you just kind of said it in passing, but you be dropping gems and you probably don't even be realizing <laughs> it sometimes. But you had said um, this was a while ago. This was like in the middle of the pandemic and you were asking, what is something that you have to look forward to? Mm-hmm. And I never really thought about it, but you were saying like how you should always have something to look forward to because that makes it easier to like move forward, like to do the things that you have to do when you have something that you want to look forward to. And it was funny because I took that one to my husband because um, like his job and stuff had been really overwhelming and whatever. And I was just like, so what do you look forward to? And he was like, what? What do you mean? And I was like, well, I was just reading this thing about, you know, you should always have something to look forward to. So I've kind of been dropping that on him, too, that 
create things and create moments for yourself. So like yesterday, he met, he texted me. and was like, we don't have anything going on this evening, right? I saw nothing on the calendar. I'm going to meet my friend at the record store. Mm. And I was like, do it. Okay. Yeah. And he came home with an Earth, Wind & Fire album. Yeah. <laughs> but he was so freaking happy with his little Earth, Wind & Fire album. And I was just like, that is what joy is right mm -hmm. there. He yeah. carved out some time to go do something like typically, you know, going to the store is nothing. Right. But nowadays going to the store is a big deal. And so I think that that's a form of self-care too, is creating just what you said, like your comfort list, or even if you're not writing down three things that you want to do for yourself every day, at least like write down something that you're looking forward to each day, or at least start with the week. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you got to train yourself into the like smaller job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So have something to look forward to, you know, this week and not just that it's Friday and the work week is over. You know what I mean? Right. Like something else more tangible. I wanted to touch on one other thing too is um because you said your nighttime routine, but then you mentioned your morning routine. And that is um perfect for introducing and just sharing about your morning mantra cards. Yeah. Um, because those I think are awesome as well. Like affirmation cards, I had never really thought about those until uh, recently, you know, more people had started creating them and then also talking about them. And um, particularly when I got yours, uh, I was reading through them and I was just like, I would have never said this to myself, but oh my God, I needed to hear this. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, I'm glad. That's why I wrote them. I'm glad that you yeah. felt that way because one of the reasons why and um, it was I started, I created these cards because um, of something, uh, you know, hey, Fran, hey, um, from the friend zone and, and all of her wellness goodness. Um, mm, I've she, heard of it in passing, but I don't know what it yeah. is. Well, she said, um, and this was some years ago and it stuck with me, but she said, you know, to make sure that you collect yourself before you greet the day. So like before you rush out to everybody else who needs something from you, before you, um, you know, pick up your phone, because that's other people <laughs> before mm -hmm. you, you know, you roll over in the morning. And I know so many of us, that's the very first thing that we do, um, even if mm -hmm. it's just to turn off our alarm. Um, but for many of us, that's the first thing that we do in the morning is we reach for our phone. And so I created these cards to give you some Something else to reach for. That's why I called them the morning mantra cards so that um, you can use them any time of the day. Um, but I wanted to create them to give you another habit. So to, mm -hmm. to not reach for your phone, it's really hard to break that habit unless you give yourself something else. Something to, to replace for. it with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I created these cards. Um, one, because I wanted you to, you know, start the day by filling yourself up. Um, and then I wanted you to expand that into your own, whatever your own morning routine looks like. So for me, I get up and I wrote, I wrote, I think it's what, 52 <laughs> affirmations in that day. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I've read, I've read them, I don't know how many times, but I wake up in the morning and I pick one at random and they still get me. And I'm like, oh, like, and you I, wrote them. yeah. And, <laughs> and, uh, 
me back in the day knew what me today needed to hear, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and so I get up, I pull one of those cards. Um, I've stopped, like I've checked the, the phone to see like what the weather is outside or what time it is. Um, but I don't check social media um, in the bed anymore. First thing in the morning. Um, and I don't even, I push my work day back a little bit. Um, to where, you know, I get up, I will, you know, eat my breakfast. Um, now, you know, we got the new dog, so I got to take the dog out <laughs> and feed the dog. Um, but you know, it, I, I warm myself up, you know, I don't necessarily hit the ground running in the same way that I used to, where I would wake up already feeling behind schedule mm. and I didn't like feeling like that. Um, and so that's part of the reason why I created the cards was so people would have, you know, some way to kind of get grounded before they had to face everything that the day had for them. Right. Right. I love that. Um, I know I too have been, especially in the last couple weeks, um, very, very intentional. I had already started my nighttime, you know, I shower and wind down. And even I had found that I even stopped like taking the time to wash makeup off my face if I put makeup on. Like, yeah, I gave it a quick wash in the shower real quick. But now part of my routine is actually taking right. my makeup off and then right. doing a face mask sometimes and those types of things. Like I would just go so fast that I wouldn't even do that minimal thing, you know? Right. And then the other piece of that in having the morning, morning mantra it gives me something actually to also marinate over throughout the course of the day. And then when I sit and journal at the end of the day, if I find the time to do that, it can kind of roll into that, like a yeah. reflection about, you know, what I believe or what I feel or um, how I showed up for myself or what I'm proud of or, yeah. you know, whatever. And so I think all of those things are huge. And for me, those are all parts of my self-care routine. It's just reminding me um, about who I am and how good I am because the self-confidence piece can tie into like that self-care self piece too. And when I am caring for myself, I carry myself more confidently because I overall feel better. Yeah. And so um, I think to me, that's why it's so important. And that was one of the reasons it just made sense to me. I'm like, I got to talk to Tara. Like, <laughs> first of all, she is the queen of self-care. The plant thing, you killed me with that one when you said that. So for me, I started naming my plants things that I want to grow or that I want more of in my life. Mm -hmm. And so like you, I have a serenity. I have um, this one sitting in front of me is hope. It's a mm. really big peace lily sitting here on the floor. Yeah. And then um, I have justice. I have love. I have peace. It's things that I just want to see more of either yeah. in me or around me. Right. And to me, that's a form of self-care. And it's so funny. The other day, my husband was, he asked me, he was like, are you coping with something? Because lately I can't go in Home Depot or Lowe's without grabbing up, even if it's just a little plant. Yeah. And he was like, so at what point do we stop? But it's what makes me happy. <laughs> and I keep telling him, and it's so funny because my son is chiming in like, daddy, they improved the air quality. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also having something to care for and nurture that doesn't talk back <laughs> or mm -hmm. that doesn't demand it of you like at a certain time or interval because even with getting a new dog you know like yeah. when it's hungry is is asking and crying and begging for something 
Yeah. Your plants, you just kind of get to go and take care of them at your leisure, but it's a fulfilling thing. It's not like a, I don't know, I might be going too deep into it, but that's how I feel. <laughs> no, no. Plants are yes. so, they're so relaxing. And one of the things that I've discovered about plants is that, you know, a lot of people, maybe some people who are even listening to this, you know, they may think that they have a, they don't have a green thumb and they don't know how to take care of plants. And I definitely was one of those people. But now that I have slowed down enough um, to realize that all you need to do is just know your plant, right? Like you just know certain plants, like a snake plant, you don't have to, you know, water that thing, you know, too much. I think I've watered, um, this, I have a, snake plant here um i I think i've watered this one like maybe twice this year like i don't water her much at all Um, she's just shooting up new new leaves all the time um and i think that that's the beauty of plant care though right it's like you get to understand your plant know what they need in order to grow and then you give it to them and you see the growth that's Mm -hmm. like an external form of stuff like you see what that does for the plants and you can do the same thing for yourself for yourself that's why so many people are gravitating toward plants because it's just it's like that self-care lesson right in front of your face every single day yeah and it's simple because they need water and they need light and maybe occasionally to be repotted or something like that. And that I think is the perfect way to end because it's the simplicity of it. The self-care routine does not have to be this whole new production that adds more stress to your life. The self-care routine, taking it back to what you said at the very beginning is really just knowing what it is that you need at this time to just kind of center yourself and ground yourself. Right. And that's what it is for these plants too. Like, what does it take for those leaves? Because I love when I see new little leaves, but I feel the same way in my own life. Like when I see myself growing, it's exciting, but I can't grow when I'm not tending to myself. Same. Yeah. So it's, a, it's that whole thing. Like you are limiting your growth if you limit your self-care. I think that's what I just got from our conversation. That's it. That's, that's the key. <laughs> That's the key. Yes. So any final thoughts you want to add before we wrap this up? I am so happy to have chit-chatted with you. Your energy, let me tell you, you are so calm, cool, and collected. Like every time I have ever been around you, you have like this calming spirit. I don't know anybody else has told you this. People people have. My husband will be like, who? Her? Like, no. (laughs) But but he's, he's calmer than me, though. So mm. he, he sees me as like, you know, I'm up here, up here but, I, yeah. but he, he's the real calm one. Like he, he is unflappable. So that's yeah. crazy. Cause you are always just so you don't raise your voice. You're just no. very, you just seem like you have the, the handbook of patience. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> I've gotten a lot better. Like I've gotten a lot calmer over the years for sure. And I think that that's due to the fact that I've been, you know, so, um, yeah, I've just been immersed in this world of self-care. Like this literally is my job. So like I spend my days, um, like I just got this, uh, Alicia Keys book from the library. And so like I spend my days, you know, reading about women. 
Yeah. Um, I spent my days reading about women, reading about, you know, different techniques and breath work and yoga and, and, you know, journaling and meditation and what all of these things do for you. And it, I mean, if you had met me, you know, when maybe, maybe <laughs> 10 years ago, you'd be like, wow. Okay. Yeah. You probably, <laughs> like, when was the last time you, you know, did something for yourself? Um, right. but, but yeah, you meet me now and I'm a completely different person. That's good stuff though. That's, we yeah. need more of that. So I'm glad yeah. that I was able to share you with the rest of the world. All right. Well, thank you for being on Tara. All right. Well, I will talk to you soon and I will see you in the self-care suite. And if you are not in there, you need to go find us because that is where we are taking care of ourselves. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Transparency and Truth. I really enjoyed talking with Tara of the self-care suite about all things self-care. I just did not want it to end. We were going and going and going and it was so good. I hope that you enjoyed all of her tidbits of truth and tidbits of things that you can do to help better care for yourself and show up for yourself. All of her information to find and stay in touch with her will be in today's show notes. If you'd like to join the conversation, as always, you can head over to the join the conversation link found also in the show notes for today's show. And there you can share what you love most about the show and or answer any of the following of today's reflection questions. So the first question is, how are you caring for yourself? What is self-care looking like for you these days? The second question is, what are some non-traditional ways that you are implementing self-care for yourself? Tara shared with us about her morning routine and her nighttime routine and even going as far as removing email off of her cell phone as a form of self-care. What uh, seemingly radical things might you be doing in the name of self-care? Want to stay in touch? Follow me over on Instagram at Takenya Brown Hampton or over on Twitter at Takenya Hampton and be sure to tune in to next week's show. Until then, continue to grow for it and take care of yourself friends.